Lord, I ask your blessing this day upon the reading of the word, upon the message of the hour. Teach us how to forgive. Teach us, Lord, not just to forgive and to reconcile, but teach us to do that in a way that changes our own hearts after thy will. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. This, what I'm about to share with you, is actually an illustration within the message. I have moved it up to introduce you to the text today. Uh, many of you know that I have a real support, a real fan problem, I, that, I, that I love the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? A and you know that they're my team. But you also should know that I'm not the kind of person, I was thinking about this sometime this week, because I knew I was going to share this, I don't think I've ever watched an entire program on ESPN. So do you get the picture? I mean, I, I love my team, but I'm not somebody that's going to get up in the morning and turn on ESPN and begin to watch it. But this happened on ESPN this week. You see, there's a big rivalry in the Pittsburgh uh, uh, home. You know about the one between the Cleveland Browns, but when the Baltimore Ravens became a team, when they shifted, that whole hatred just, I'm sorry, that whole rivalry just kind of shifted to the city of Baltimore when they went there. And now we have two rivals. Now you got the Browns back and you got the Baltimore Ravens, and, and there is a huge rivalry. And I guess on ESPN this week, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Bart Scott. Now, Bart Scott played for Baltimore Ravens for a while, and he also played for the New York Jets. He's referring, and what I'm about to share with you, about his time with the Ravens and the great rivalry with the Steelers. And, and what he said, I guess I should stop and tell you, you also know that in Pittsburgh we have our heroes, right? I mean, we have Terry Bradshaw, Chuck Knoll. We, you know, we've got, we've got uh, Big Ben. We've got, you know, um, all these guys that we just love. And one of our heroes in Pittsburgh is a guy named Heinz Ward, right? I mean, even though he doesn't play anymore, he's been gone forever, the reality is he is one of our heroes. And so this guy, Bart Scott, is talking about Heinz Ward and that great rivalry when they went to play. And this is what he said on ESPN this week. He said, it took me five years of therapy to not punch Heinz Ward in the face when I saw him. <laughs> Oh, you got to laugh. That's hilarious. <laughs> it took five years of therapy for me not to want to, not, he didn't say to want, he said not to punch him in the face when he encountered him. Why would that be my opening line today? Well, we're talking about forgiveness. And I want you to think for a minute. And you don't want to say it out loud. I'm not going to ask you to hold your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to testify this morning. But I want you to dig deep on your, down in yourself and think about a grudge that you hold. Now, if you don't, that's okay. I get it. But most of us remember something that has really left a mark inside of us that perhaps three or four months maybe of therapy <laughs> might help us to get rid of. Well, I want to tell you that forgiveness bypasses the therapy. Forgiveness. But forgiveness has to be the right kind of forgiveness. Now, I've titled the message today, 
from rags to riches. And hopefully when I get to the end of the message, I'm not going to tell you why, but when I get to the end of the message, you will see why. I want to stop and talk to you for a few minutes about what false forgiveness is. What do I mean by false forgiveness? Think about how many times you've heard this said or you yourself have said it to somebody. Somebody's wronged you or somebody's wronged somebody, and the person, I don't want to use the word victim here, but you get the point, whoever was wronged, will say something like this. It's okay, I know you've been under a lot of pressure lately. We've all heard somebody say that. And what we're saying, or it's okay because she's been she or he's been dealing with a lot lately. That's not forgiveness. That is excusing the wrong, okay? When we say something like that, when we say it's okay, they've been under a lot of pressure, we just said here's the door for the out for your behavior. Or we might say something like this. Oh, nothing happened, it's fine. There's a problem there. That's not forgiveness either. That's pretending that something never happened. And we all have heard it, and we probably all have said something like this. Or maybe we've said something to the effect of this. Yeah, it hurt, but I'm not going to do it back to you. And, and, and what we're saying is, you know, I'm going to refrain from revenge, right? That's not forgiveness either. That is that is saying I'm going to control what my natural response is going to be. Or maybe you've heard something like this. I'll let it go this time, but I'll be watching you. Now, now that's not forgiveness. That, that is simply saying, okay, we're going to walk by this, but man, I got my eye on you. And that, in a sense, is another kind of punishment that doesn't get it done. Or how about I forgive you, but you owe me? Huh? We've all heard stuff like this, and that is not forgiveness either. Or maybe rather than trying to say anything, we just decide that this world is tough, things are hard, and we just got to move forward. And that actually is not forgiveness. That is actually abandoning, just, abandoning or, or letting go of what really ought to be done, the just thing to do. Or maybe we want to just say, well, we're just going to go back to normal. We just, we just want to get right back to how things were, and we're going to let that go. And if somebody's wronged somebody, there is going to be a trust issue there. There's going to be, remember we talked the first week we talked about forgiveness, about the debt that is created. That debt has to be dealt with. And all of these things that I've talked about today, these words that we say, they don't deal they may look great on the outside, but they don't deal with what's going on on the inside of either party that is involved. I want you to look at something Jesus said. I think it's, yeah, it should be on your screen this morning. Jesus said this in, in Luke 17, the third verse. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, Forgive him, and if he sins against you seven times in one day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, I want you to pay attention to that first thing that Jesus said. Pay attention to yourself. Why do I want you to look at that so closely? It's in the context of forgiveness. 
But Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, if somebody's wronged you, yes, they are in the wrong, but it has done something to you. And you need to pay attention to what's going on in you. Now, now hold on to the last part of that verse. We're going to get to it later in the message, increase our faith. But, but I want you to hold on to that thing about pay attention to yourself. Stephen, I mean, there's plenty of things that people have done that are wrong. The, the text we read this morning, Stephen is being stoned to death. There's no question what's going to happen. They weren't throwing stones just to, to, to hit him a few times. They took him to the edge of town. They had lied about him. They'd worked up these charges. They took him to the edge of town, and he knew what was coming. He was going to die. They are throwing rocks at him until he quits breathing. I don't know about you, but that would not be the time that I want to worry about anybody but myself and you know what he says? He says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. I mean, lay not this sin to their charge. You know, people, people come up with great final words. Pistol Pete Maravich, some of you that remember that name are as old as I am, played in the NBA. He retired, and he goes out to Pasadena, California, to, to, to go on to focus on the family radio broadcast with J Dr. James Dobson. He goes on the radio broadcast in the morning. He leaves the radio broadcast, and a bunch of guys, just like him, just people that were regular people, go to a gym and a church, and they play a game of pickup basketball. NBA superstar, Pistol Pete Maravich, and he's going down the court, and he looks over at Jim Dobson, and he says, man, I feel great. About 10 minutes later, he was dead. I want you to think about that. His last, if he had to have last words, what would you want him to be? I think those are great last words. I feel great. Stephen, while he's being stoned to death, says, lay not this sin to their charge. I want you to notice he's thinking about them. But what you might miss in this story is actually what Jesus was telling us to do in this verse in Luke 17. Pay attention to yourself. Stephen could have died holding bitterness and resentment and anger in his heart, but he chose not to. Lay not this sin to their charge. I don't know about you, but when somebody wrongs me, it becomes very easy for me to be upset. I'll be honest, it becomes very easy for me to be angry. And that leads me to what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I want you to notice the first three words here. See to it. That's, that's biblical for get her done. See to it that, that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Think about that for a minute. The writer of Hebrews is saying to us that we're to be responsible to see to it that nobody misses the unmerited favor of our God. 
be sure that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and that many become defiled from it. I'm not talking about being a good person externally. If we say we, we, we've forgiven and what we mean is that we're actually not going to take out revenge we're still holding something. If we say we're going to forget, but we actually are hoping that a load of bricks falls from the sky on that person, we have not done what Christ is calling us to do. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So this morning I'm going to give you three. You see, I told you at the start, this is going to be about what's going on inside of us. We've been doing this for three weeks now, and I told you things would build today. And today, very specifically, my focus is going to be on us, if we are wrong, what can happen inside of us. And I don't mean negatively, I mean positively, if we choose to forgive the way Christ wants us to. And I'm going to give you three simple steps. And all it has to do with what's going on inside of us. I mentioned these to you the last two weeks. Each of the elements here have been in the last two sermons. But today we're going to put them together into a lump. Recognize that we are sinners too. It's a very basic thought. Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the person that's throwing the stones, we have the ample opportunity to do the same thing, given the right circumstance. Inwardly pay the debt. This is specifically for us. If you've been here, you've known that I've said, if you get wrong, you have created a bill. That person has created a debt in you. They have created something that needs to be taken care of, and we want them to take care of it. That's our natural position. But the reality is, the person who's been wronged is always going to have to pay that bill. The forgiveness is going to take place. Because, you, you know, we say sticks and stones may break my bones and names will never hurt me, but you know as well as I do. It does something. You can't take it back. And finally, you've got to wish the very best for the person who has wronged you. Let's talk about those three things this morning. First, recognize that you're a sinner. Recognize very simply that we have a shared uh, a problem, and that is that we're sinners. Jesus said this, and you'll recognize the passage You'll recognize the phraseology. When you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now, I want to be sure that we all understand that forgiveness, everything I'm talking about is about relationships. It's relationships with God, our relationships, but it's also relationship with others. Jesus says, when you are relating to me in prayer, you should be forgiving if you have anything against anyone. Now, you know and I know that the intention of God is that our relationships, that reconciliation in broken relationships should take place. But you know just as well from living life, it doesn't always work that way. But it should be tried for. Even, and this this is going to be a little bit twisty to understand, but please get this. Even if reconciliation does not happen with another person, the Christian will see to it that, it that forgiveness happens inside of them. Are you with me? Even though the person that has wronged you, 
does not want to reconcile, does not mean that we do not forgive. Because it's going to damage us. And in our next relationship, we're going to be a little bit untrusting. We're going to see something coming that we think we see coming, and we're going to deal with it in our way because we were hurt before. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're relating to me when you're praying, forgive. If anyone has something that needs to be dealt with, forgive. In 1 John, the epistle 1 John, chapter 3 in the 14th verse, listen to what this says. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. And whoever does not love abides in death. Church, we will reconcile and we will learn how to love people better through the act of forgiveness. And we will lose a little bit of that love if we can't forgive. And what John just said is, is that you will either live in love or you will die. You know this story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole thing to you because it's important. A lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what's in the law? How do you read it? And he said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. If you do this, you'll live. And this is where it gets complicated. And this happens so many times in theological conversations. People will come to me, and I'm not Jesus. You get it? I, I, I'm, I'm far from it. But people will come and they'll say, well, this happened in such and such, and what should I do? And, well, here's what the Bible says. And they'll say, but what about? And that's what's about to happen in this conversation with Jesus. Because the man went on and said, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? See, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and strength and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, wanting to be sure that, that he could justify himself, Wanted to know who his neighbor was that he had to, to love that way. Jesus tells this story to him. A man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he falls among robbers. They stripped and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side of the road. And also a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound his wounds, poured oil and wine on him, set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, whatever more you spend, I'll repay when I come back. And then Jesus says to the man, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? And he said, the one that showed him, get this, the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and you do likewise. The, the priest and the Levite that should have known and should have done, that had all the looks, the outward appearance, of being the right people, you go and you do likewise. 
Which one had the right attitude? The one that showed mercy, the Samaritan, the outcast, the one that nobody would have thought of. And so when we look, the, the point, church, is this. Recognize that you're a sinner. If somebody's wronged you, realize you could do that too. Any given day, any given time, right circumstances, you, you'd be surprised at what you might do in any situation. The second thing is to inwardly pay the debt. Now, I'm gonna, not going to stay here too long, but I do want to be sure that you get the point. The word forgive in the Greek is the word ephieme, and it means to cancel or remit a debt. If someone has wronged you and it's created a, a bill inside of you, a debt that needs to be dealt with, to forgive means that you cancel that debt, you tear it up, you throw it away. You, you don't demand that the person pay that, but rather it, it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that they may not try to do restitution. Somebody steals your car and you forgive them. It doesn't mean that they can't replace the car. But what it does mean is if they don't, you need to deal with that debt inside of you. Because it's going to mess you up, not them. Paul said this in Romans 12, 17 to 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, listen to this. Paul's saying, here's what you need to do. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. But don't be overcome by evil. Overcome that evil with good. And church, that's the point. Why do you forgive if somebody makes no effort to be forgiven? Why do you forgive if somebody makes no effort to restore the relationship? Why do you forgive in yourself even though they are going to make no uh, legitimate stand or, or try to be reconciled with you? It's not because of what they did or what that's doing to them because of what that holding that's going to do to you. Don't avenge yourselves. Let God deal with that. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If they're thirsty, give him something to, to drink. Don't be overcome by that evil, but overcome that evil with good. final thing is, is to hope the very best for the wrongdoer. I want to point out to you that on the cross, Jesus said something very similar to what Stephen said. Or I guess because Stephen died afterwards, Stephen said something very similar to what Jesus said. You already know it before it comes out of my mouth. But he said this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen falling to his knees, cries out with a loud voice while being stoned to death, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And, and actually the very next, next verse is, and that's when he died. I want to I point something out to you that you really need to pay attention to today. I need to pay attention to. All of us need to pay attention to. You and I cannot wish the very best for somebody that's wronged us 
unless we've done the first two things. If we have not gone and made the effort to make sure that we understand that we are sinners too, we will never truly be able to wish the best for them. If we have not paid the debt inside of ourselves that was created because of the wrong that was done, we will never really wish the very best for the person that's wronged us. You can't do this third step unless you've done the first two. We have to recognize we're sinners, inwardly deal with the debt that was created, and if we want to forgive, we've got to get rid of what's going to hinder us from being able to do that. We've got to check those first two boxes off. Because here's, and it's going to be so simple, but I want you to hear it. I want you to think about it. If you want to wish the best for somebody, you have to deal with those first two things. Because if you don't, you won't be wishing good for them. And you will not be neutral, as many people try to say they are. You'll actually be hoping the worst for them. I hope they get theirs. I don't get mad, I get even. All that stuff. And I'll tell you why I say that. When we want to pay somebody back, when we want to take out vengeance on someone that's wronged us, you know what that's about? I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the first person. When I want to revenge, have revenge on somebody for what they've done to me, do you know what that's all about? That is all about me. And for the Christian, we always live in second place to Jesus. In our relationship with God, what did Jesus say? He said, if you stand praying and there you remember that somebody's got something against you, go to them first. You see, Vengeance is about what I, where I even the score. Forgiveness is about honoring God because he forgave us. Forgiveness is about hoping the very best for the person that wronged us because God's done his very best for us. And remember what we're talking about today, church. It's about what's going on inside of us, spiritually, inside of us. If we can get that right, if we can get that settled, if we can get that peace that passes all understand, all understand that peace that passes all understanding, we'll have more of a likelihood of being able to externally communicate that peace to the people that need to hear it most. Those are the people that don't know Jesus. I'm going to call it internal or spiritual healing. And I want to I want to read something to you that Jesus said again, and I'll just talk about it briefly. It's that Mark eleven twenty five verse. When you stand praying, forgive, if you've got anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. When we read that, unfortunately I don't have that on the screen, so, so listen to it again. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. You know what we do with that verse? Listen close. This is so important. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. We take that and say, well, if we don't forgive, Jesus is not going to forgive us. 
That's not what Jesus is saying here. I know it sounds like it. That is not what he's saying. We want to we read it that way, and I probably preached it that way. What Jesus is actually saying here is, is that your forgiveness needs to be as complete as his is. It needs to cover everything. If you stand to pray and you want to relate to me, you need to forgive if you've got something against somebody because your relationship with me is dependent upon the fact that I've forgiven you completely. And now you need to be able to do that outwardly as well. And here's where we get into a real bind on this. It's with the external. It's with others. Because, and listen close, because I'm going to, these are going to sound like they contradict each other. And, and you've heard, if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about Matthew 18, 15 to 20 quite a few times. Because it's so critical for the church to get it. But listen to what Jesus says there. And I'm, I'm getting close to the end, so just hold on. Jesus says, if your brother sins, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you gained your brother. If he, doesn't let if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two others along with you that every charge can be established or the evidence with two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I amongst them. These verses, that, that passage I read to you from Mark where he says, when you stand praying, you know, forgive. And here where he says, go to that person. We always want to say, well, they didn't ask to be forgiven. Jesus didn't say you had to ask to forgive. They had to ask to be forgiven. Jesus said, somebody's wronged you, you go to them. And you go again. And you go again. And if it doesn't work out that they want to fess up or they want to ask for forgiveness or they want to reestablish the relationship or whatever, understand that you've tried and your relationship will meet with me will remain intact and your that internal ability, that internal spiritual healing and forgiveness that Jesus gives us, your relationship with others will be fine because you did your best to deal with that sin. You tried in the right way. You did it with the right motive. You did it with the right heart. The book of Ephesians, Paul says this, speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. What that tells us is that when we're forgiven, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And that leads me to my bottom line. And my bottom line today is this. Unforgiveness is spiritual poverty, and it will lead to Christian bankruptcy. Unforgiveness is spiritual poverty, and it leads to Christian bankruptcy. From rags to riches, what is Jesus trying to tell us? What is the, the scripture trying to tell us that we've read today? What was Stephen trying to establish when he got stoned and he said, Father, lay not the sin to their charge? What is it that's going on here?
Jesus said, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times, and he turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you still must forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. We, we read, and remember, I read that to you, that's Luke 17. We read that and we say, well, there's our hook. If they repent, we forgive. If they don't repent, we don't have to forgive. And no, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is trying to tell us that we need to do everything, every way we can think of to reconcile and to bring forgiveness to the situation. But even if they don't want to be forgiven, even if they don't want to be reconciled, we are called upon to practice forgiveness in every situation, not because we're good people, but because of what it's going to do to us if we don't. We're not only going to become spiritually impoverished, we're going to become spiritually bankrupt. And when that happens, not only are the relationships this way gone, but the most important relationship of all this way is gone. And that is why, stay with me, that is why when Jesus taught this, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. They said, we got to forgive, and we got to forgive, and we got to forgive, and we got to forgive. And Jesus said, yeah, how many times? 70 times 70. Do it to an infinity and beyond, you will forgive. Because if you want to maintain the relationship this way, you're going to have to maintain the relationships this way, even when they don't want it. And the disciples said, we got to have more faith. Because that guy right there, he treated me badly. And do you know what she did to me? Do you know what he said about me? Do you know how she acted? Do you know what they did? Do you know? All that stuff we do. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Forgive. Then you'll be children of your Father who's in heaven. If you have been forgiven, you've been forgiven for a reason, and that is to forgive others. It is to create spiritual wealth in yourself. Don't like that word? Spiritual poker chips. That's probably worse. Church, if we're children of God, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God, we're fellow heirs with Christ Jesus himself. And we may have to suffer with him, but we also know that we will be glorified with him. Unforgiveness is a certain path to spiritual bankruptcy. But forgiveness, forgiveness, it keeps that line open in that relationship that is most critical and most important. These are important. If these break down, if we're not forgiving, this one hurts. And in time, it will be destroyed. But if we have forgiven, even when people don't want to be forgiven, this one stays intact. And I'll close with this. I already told it to you, but I want to remind you of this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That is our attitude. That is our heart. That is what heals us the most. And as long as we keep that and we live that, we can heal others. Let's sing together.